Hello and welcome to the Haiku P podcast, episode 23 of the fourth series. Welcome, wherever you are and however you're listening to us. I'm Patricia and today I've got a few treats for you. I think I've told you already that we're so lucky to have Linda Ludwig reading all the poetry you write for our monthly prompt on YouTube. Well, before Linda took up the mantle, I asked James Young to have a look for some of his favourite poems from the prompt. And today I'm going to read some of them to you. But don't worry, Linda has already chosen her favourites from the month of October and they'll be in a future podcast. I also have something new for you to try. Peter Jastermski and Brian Rickert will be along in a moment to introduce it to you. Split Sequences. I have a challenge for you, which I'll tell you about at the end of the podcast. But before we get to my chat with Peter and Brian, I have a couple of reminders for you. If you're signed up for the mailing, you'll already know that the latest journal is available on the Poetry Bee website. If this is news to you, it's really time you signed up for the mailing. Don't miss out on all the interesting things happening here. You'll find both the mailing sign-up and the journal on the Poetry Bee website. I hope you enjoy reading all the wonderful chapters of the journal. It's always a super tribute to the work we do together here. So let's go straight off and have a listen to Peter and Brian, who are not just introducing the idea of split sequences, but reading from their book, Just Dust and Stone. And don't forget, you can go to the show notes for all the details of today's podcast, including a couple of the sequences they're going to read to us. Today I'm joined by Peter Jastermski and Brian Rickert, who together have written a book of split sequences, Just Dust and Stone. Split sequences, you might be asking. Yep, don't worry, I really didn't know either. But Peter has written an essay for the Poetry P Autumn Journal to explain what they are in detail. But today, he'll give us a short introduction. Now, I expect you'll all know both poets. Peter is an award-winning Charita poet, a Dwarf Star Award winner, and Best of the Net nominee. He's written five haiku-related books. His titles include Steel Cut Moon, No Velcro Here, The Silence We Came For, and Failed States as well, of course, as the book we're going to hear about today, Just Dust and Stone. He lives in Southern California. Welcome to Poetry P, Peter. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. Tell us, where can we buy these books? Well, uh, let's see your Steel Cut Moon. I'll just go down the list. That would be Amazon. Mm -hmm. No Velcro here, Amazon. The Silence We Came For, that would be off Yavanika press failed states would be off the haiku foundation archive and of course just dust and stone would be amazon and also velvet dusk publishing people shouldn't shouldn't worry that they need to take all that information down i will put it in the show notes don't worry now you all know that i like to introduce the poets i invite to poetry p with a piece of work that i've read and enjoyed and this is one of Peter's that I discovered on the Haiku Foundation website. Reading their masks, we watch the crow's feet take flight. Reading their masks, we watch the crow's feet take flight. 
Now, Peter, I presumed this was a COVID poem because it was written, or at least it says it was published in April 2021. And I'm not the greatest fan of COVID poems. I really enjoyed the slant you put on this one. I love the way you played with the idea of the crow's feet. And I appreciated the placing of the apostrophe in the word crows, which I think when you read it makes your meaning clear. But when you hear it read out loud, it's ambiguous. And uh, I wondered, when you wrote it, were you looking for that ambiguity or, or not? Always looking for ambiguity. I do, uh, do each poem two ways, which is write it, read it silently to myself, read it aloud. When I read it aloud, I discover alliteration, maybe an internal rhyme that's snuck in there. So I'm always looking for those unconscious things that if you just read it on the page, it's one dimensional. Read it aloud and suddenly there's music, there's unintended meaning and ambiguity. And that's what I really uh, want the poems to embody. Go along and have a read of the show notes and you can see what I mean and perhaps enjoy the poem again. Now, Brian is widely published and had his first book, Kitefish, published in 2018. You might know him because he edits the Living Senru anthology and co-edits Failed Haiku these days. Outside poetry, he's made a significant career change from art teacher to coffee roaster. With my other hat on, recruiter and career coach, I really must invite him onto my other podcast to talk about that. It's so intriguing. Brian lives in Illinois. Brian, welcome to Poetry P. Tell us, where can we buy Fish Kite? Thank you for having me today. Fish Kite can be ordered through Amazon, but I believe it is a little cheaper off of the Cyberwit website. I think it's cyberwit.net. Now, I have a little something of yours to, to read, which really resonated with me. Garden Weeds questioning my neighbor's long-term interests. Garden weeds, questioning my neighbor's long-term interests. And I found that in Frog Pond 41.2. And the reason it uh, resonated with me is I, I think I'm the only gardener in our little street. My neighbors are great importers of plants for every season. And uh, I think there's a difference between importing the plants every season and really as I do, growing them from cuttings and seeds. But perhaps I'm just being a gardening snob. It's very, very possible. So now to our main event. Thank you both very much for coming along and joining me today to read from your book, Just Dust and Stone. I was very excited to read it because I love it when something new and interesting crosses my path. Now, I'm very lucky to have read the book, but not everyone will have had a chance to read it. And they certainly won't have read the essay you wrote in Poetry P yet. So, Peter, could you give us a little bit of a, a flavor about the process behind your split sequence, please? Okay, sure. I'd be, be glad to. You know, I always like to, when I explain this process to people, and I've done it a number of times so far, I always like to de demystify the process so poets can feel empowered to just run with it, write something, experiment. And a lot of them have been doing that. So the flavor, I will give you five-step process. We'll try that. Um, okay, to begin, just choose a three-line haiku or senru, split it into three separate lines. Between each line, insert another three-line poem, either type, 
that either complements or contradicts the line it's linked to. So haiku functions in this way, like it might with haibun. This it should not simply be a photograph of what you just wrote, but something that, that heightens the experience for the reader. So for each of the three separate lines, you add a new three-line haiku. If you're counting, your format for the lines is one, three, one, three, one, three. So 12 lines plus a title, no punctuation. And lastly, you add a title that's not directly lifted from the piece. It's one of the rules of hype one too. It should not be a cop of a line necessarily, but something that um, sums up the piece. Though in our book here, Brian and I have taken some liberties with that. We pull the line out for the title, mm. but uh, it's allowed. I think we'll, we'll come on to more about that later uh, because Peter, I've already started trying to write this with uh, write these sequences with some of my haiku friends mm -hmm. and um and What's it's very in it's well it's it's very interesting and i'll tell you later i'll come to it <laughs> later <laughs> okay. now um you and brian have chosen two split sequences to read to us and to explain brian and peter will read the original haiku first and then together they'll read the sequence each reading the elements they wrote for the sequence Brian has chosen a piece for which he wrote the original haiku, and Peter has chosen a piece for which he wrote the original. Now, I think we'll start with Brian's choice. Brian, over to you. The name of the poem would be Living Will. The original poem is the aftermath of everything we were, wind-blown leaves. Living will, the aftermath. Emptying the wallet, a last untorn photo crumbles. Of everything we were, late vigil, candles in the chapel down to their last. Wind blown leaves. This age forever, the bicycles dead stop. Thanks very much. That last line of that last sequence, the last haiku, gets me every time I read it. Now, Peter, if you would read your chosen piece. It's a, from a piece called Clear Cut. The original haiku is forest floor. We step on life. We don't see living. Clear cut. Forest floor. Hive mind. Working together to look away. We step on life, stumbling over a root, how to give ground to a tree. We don't see living. Rising heat, cicada song answered by a chainsaw. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you both very much. Mm -hmm. I do have some questions and we'll come back to how I'm getting on with, with writing them myself. But particularly about the book, you've, you have two sections. One, the way I read it anyway. One for the, is called For the Journey and the second half is Imperfect at Best. I wondered, where did, you, where did the titles for the, for the two halves come from? Um, well, they are pulled from... Um poems from the section. Mm -hmm. But I think when we discussed uh, the titles and stuff 
for the section. I think we wanted to try to echo uh, Chrissy Villa's idea of how she grouped the book into those two sections. Oh, now that's interesting. That was that was going to be another of my my questions for you. So just to explain, Chrissy Villa is the publisher. Of and the, the editor, yes. And the mm -hmm. editor. Yes. My question was going to be, are they published in the way that you, you wrote them, in the order that you wrote them? But from what you're saying, you were guided very much by Chrissy. Brian and I had a rough idea of how the book might flow based on our experience. We tend to cluster around several different themes. And so we had a number of pieces on the same theme. So we called some of them and we had some sense that Brian organized them nicely along some storyline, but Chrissy sort of took the uh, overhead view and really developed the narrative that the book is today. And uh, I know from my other books, like, you know, I can do a pretty good job lining up a, a theme and a process. <laughs> the editor and publisher always has a, a better idea, you know, just because they really have a different perspective. And I said, yeah, give, give us a storyline. Mm -hmm. And so it worked out that way with the poems that end the first half and then the poem that ends the book, you know, perfectly done in my view. Because I mean, I think the trick is to have a unified theme, but not too many of the same pieces in a row because it gets a little, a little deadening. So mixing it up somewhat is helpful, but you want to still retain the thread of the narrative. When I read both through both, I found that there was a, a complex story going through both sections, or in my head anyway, there was a complex story going through both <laughs> sections. Uh, but then, uh, like you said, I'd be thrown by the order slightly and wonder, okay, I was going along quite happily in this direction, thank you, but you've thrown me and now I have to rethink and go off and have a look at it in, in another way. Good. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, but are the opening poems, for example, were they the opening poems in the way that you were envisaging writing this book? No. answer that? <laughs> Not for myself. I can only speak for my 50%. We did a lot of this uh, writing over Facebook Messenger over the course of two and a half years or so. Um, and I did not want to give Peter anything to start off with uh, that I thought was low quality. So I would go through my lists of unpublished poems and look for two things. One, uh, one that I thought that he would appreciate as the co-author of the poem, knowing his style and knowing his taste, I did not want to throw something at him that wasn't, that didn't click with him. So I really tried to put myself in his shoes and see what he would like. And then secondly, I tried to find Senru or Haiku that were open-ended enough to where he could find room to fit himself into. I think if there's poems in general that are too tight and sealed off in and of themselves, I think it's hard to split them apart and make a sequence with them. I see that with some of the people who are asking me um, to look at their work or sending it to me as I edit Failed Haiku. And I kind of look at the original and I think it's a, it's a really tight construct. I don't know how they're gonna make a effective sequence with this. You have to give the, the co-author or the, the co-writer uh, wiggle room to implant themselves. I sort of got the feeling that you didn't know each other 
terribly well before you started this this project but was i wrong i would say we didn't know each other particularly at all <laughs> you know right i was uh, i was an admirer of peter's work and mm. i think that i had uh read a, a high bun of his that really moved me and so i reached out to him and had said what an amazing high bun that was and then when i read his split sequence I think it might have been one of the first ones he got published in uh, Ephemerae. I messaged him up and was like, this is a life changer for me. I had no idea you could do this. And then from there, we just kind of went forward. Yeah, so working with Brian has been a life changer for me. This is like a partnership that um, it's like two brains writing the poem almost simultaneously, except we're in our different, you know, uh, places doing it. But um, it has not been work. It's been a lot of fun. And I, I like, Brian, like the way you put it about the room, the, the poem having some wiggle room, because, you know, I sent something to you, you sent something back, and it's like getting dealt a hand of cards saying, huh, I wonder how you came up with this. I can go a number of ways with the, my response. And I just love that. You know, if you sent me a really tight response that was like, yeah, that was what the, we expected, then I would say, could you tweak this a little bit and vice versa? So we tried to always inject some unpredictability, maybe some novelty, but not for the sake of novelty, and just change it up enough that we stayed interested, <laughs> let alone the reader, you know? Did you, when you first set out to write this, this book, to write these, these split sequences together, did you have an idea where your sequence was going, your sequences were going to take you, or did you just go with the flow and, and some order came out of it? You know, I think that by the time you get two thirds through it, you have a sense of where it could go, at least mm -hmm. on the surface. Now, that third enclosing poem that you add should give you a little twist, a little boost, a little something rather than just a pat ending. And so there was always the surface story, then sort of the story under the story. And then mm -hmm. there was always several directions that we could take each piece, depending on our next contribution so i kind of love that i kind of sat with for a while and wrote some stuff and say well this that when mm, we're brian with things so send them along and you know we we tend to just nail each other's poems depending who had that third poem to add and, and often just hit the jackpot with it but typically did not stay with the surface story unless it was just so in the in the groove in the in the pocket there that yeah, that was, it was just waiting to be uncovered the whole time. It's difficult sometimes when you're working with somebody else, you sometimes feel that uh, some of the, the haiku aren't quite right. How much editing did you do of each other's work and, and how did you stay friends? <laughs> um, I will say that I, I was edited a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> but that's friendly suggestion. You know, it's not editing as much as it is friendly suggestion mm -hmm. and um, a love for what we're doing and our mutual want to make this work. Um, I don't think I asked Peter for too many edits on his side. I always considered it like a pitch and a bat. This is what I was pitched. 
and I'm going to try to swing a homer on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know too many people who strike out and be like, no, I, I, I want a new pitcher. Uh, no, I, it wasn't my mindset to ask for something different. Um, it just never is, uh, especially, you know, like when I'm writing uh, Renge with, with, with people, they would always say, well, send me two different options. And that's very customary um, when you do the link and the shift with Renge. And it wasn't with Peter and I. Um, I didn't. I didn't want different options. I really wanted honesty from him, and mm-hmm. what he really wanted to write is what he gave me. So, I felt I had a certain obligation to work um, with with that. So, basically, you you didn't fall out. You the love for what you're doing kept you together on this. Yeah, I would say so. You know, I tend to. I can be abstract sometimes in my writing and a little obscure and. Brian will say, you know, can you be more concrete or what do you mean? Or, you know, I'm not relating to this. And so I would try to make it more grounded. And with Brian, sometimes it was very grounded. I tried to open up the palm a little bit, like what else can you do with this? Okay, that's okay, but can you tweak it another notch? And so it's kind of the focusing, opening, focusing process because, you know, I know what I mean, but, (laughs) you know, when I get outside my own head and give it to somebody else, they have to relate to it. Hopefully it's universal by the time I get through tweaking it, yeah. you know, enough that we can work with it. But I don't like pat haiku. So if I see something like, yeah, it's pretty much a rubber stamp piece. I'll say, you know, it's okay, but can we, can we do better or different? Yeah. I'm gathering from that. Well, from what Brian has said, definitely. It sounds Brian, like you, your work grew from the process. Oh, absolutely. I am not, um, as a poet, I, I tend to not be abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would think I would gravitate uh, to writing with people who are more like myself, but it's just the opposite. Uh, I know Peter and I have very different writing styles, <laughs> and even more so lately since um, the publication of this book or since we started to organize the book. He's writing in different genres than myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's where that, uh, that juxtaposition spark that everybody always talks about comes from. Because mm-hmm. if I was with somebody too like-minded, uh, things would just be flat. Uh, he really does open up a different side of my thinking. And when we write together, I have to get into that Peter mindset that I always have to try to shoehorn myself into. <laughs> Peter's always trying to get me out of the box. I'm not inherently lazy, but I'm inherently uh, on a path. <laughs> and I just like to walk my path. Uh, but good, uh, good people, we all do. Uh, good friends like Peter are, are always trying to push me off of one path onto something else. And that is very life enriching. I wanted to get back to your book because there are many sequences that deal with some emotional or very difficult subjects. You've got, to me anyway, as I was reading it, you had marital affairs, you had the breakdown of a marriage, you had divorce, mental illness the loss or perhaps the lack of a much wanted child, losing one's way in life and and the loss of loved ones. And I wondered, were the two of you writing from personal experience or was this your imagination kicking in? Well, that's a good question. Um, I guess for me, I was like, for me, a lot of it is personal experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I have always been faithful to my wife and have never been divorced but <laughs> good to know um, <laughs> but you know I think by the time you reach my age you know family members you know 
your life experience, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends. This is all a part of the big mess that we live in. Mm -hmm. uh, and it does affect us. And then we can draw from that. So when I say something about the divorce, it's written to imply that it's mine. But in reality, I'm drawing from the experience of my in my life of somebody else's divorce. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it does affect us emotionally, even though it's not ours. And this, so that for me, that's fair game for the writing art experience. Uh, I would say a lot of it is along the lines of Brian mm -hmm. explanation. Um, I see a lot of it around me. Uh, I've been a, a psychotherapist for over 30 years. So I work with these issues all the time. And though I don't take from my clients' lives, I do hear certain themes, certain messages. I'm fairly empathic. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, uh, I don't have a loss of compassion yet after all those years. So things just resonate. And I joked with Brian, we're sort of the masters of melancholy. <laughs> because we know that I, we're doom and gloom, but usually it's melancholy. We, we have a, an affinity for that flavor of that subject. Not that we're super melancholy, but we appreciate it. We see it around us. And I write also, it's therapeutic, but also to give my life meaning of all the things I see around me mm -hmm. and what people are doing that they have no awareness of and how I, how I try to make sense of the world, basically, mm -hmm. you know? So it's yeah. through that particular lens for me. Uh, moving on, I was intrigued by the poems at the end of each section. That's um, Windsong and Night Lives, which we're not hearing today. For me, they had a very different feel, um, like a, a wistful end to a story. Maybe from what you've said, Chrissy had a bit more influence in, in the positioning of those sequences. But I wonder what your thoughts were. Well, I would say she did. But when I saw the ordering of things, I said, yeah, that's it. Because wind song, that does kind of put the reader on the path for the clouds, the stars, the sunset. So to me, that's like a journey, a passage to the infinite. Yeah. And so it might be an ending. It's also a beginning in some ways. And the night lives, that was sort of the wistful closure of the story where it comes around back to home. Mm -hmm. you know and the way the book starts off a foreign affair in the lobby it's like now we're off on some sort of film noir uh introduction <laughs> to lives and i thought I, I love it okay that's why we have someone in that chair as editor and publisher you yes. know but uh and we could have lined it up ourselves any different way but mm -hmm. it worked for me intuitively i felt that very much as the reader that it works very well brian what about you um, sequencing is not my strong point. Uh, I sequenced all of the poems because there's more than this that we mm -hmm. center. Yeah. Um, and, um, I put them in some type of sequence, you know, by subject when I sent them to her just to get it onto a document, you know, and that's as good as I get with sequencing of poems like this. I just say it's not my strength. So I give my I just gave it all off to her and I have faith in her because I'd read her other books mm -hmm. um, and a fan of her work. So I was like, she will do this for us. And she did. She came through like a champ and a star. And I greatly appreciate her work. Now we're coming to the end of our time together. Do you think I could ask the two of you to read the sequence calendars for us? 
I think it's going to resonate with so many people at this time when so many of our lives have come to a near stop. Let me start off with the original haiku, which is dwindling days, the bucket list springs a new leak. Calendars, dwindling days. Midlife crisis, the cost of wasting our youth. The bucket list, rearranging dreams, lost feel for adventure. Springs a new leak. One last trip down to the river, just dust and stone. I don't know if this was my favorite of all of them, but it really rang true, or really resonated with me, possibly because I'm having a, a very big birthday this year. And um, the bucket list is, is forefront of my mind. And the, the, the very fact that, I, I don't know about you guys, but certainly here in, in Europe, we can travel around Europe fairly easily, but travel is really not as easy as it used to be. And I'm a great great traveler so it, it really resonated with me and it, this is the sequence where the title of the book comes from now we spoke a little bit about that but who was responsible for picking out just dust and stone and why i had initially picked out two phrases just dust and stone and also which i wrote and then also one that uh, he wrote, uh, that was the last line of one of the poems, was lost in the mesquite. And so I had told him that I was good with either of those because mm -hmm. they're evocative. Mm -hmm. And they both say something about the collection as a whole, knowing our melancholy or my penchant for pessimism, uh, <laughs> just dust and stone and being lost in the mesquite worked well for me. And so I passed that off to him in an email, and he, I guess he can tell you why he picked Just Dust and Stone. Peter, why? It's perfect. <laughs> because Mesquite, you know, I'm a desert dweller, you know, yes. to me, that was typecasting the book in a way that mm. really wasn't about the desert, mm -hmm. well, the desert of our emotional lives, but that's another story. But no, I liked it. Chrissy kept calling it just dust and bone, which would have worked, but we weren't dead. We were just dust and stone. And I asked Brian to come up with, uh, I, I gave Brian some uh, photos for the cover, and then he came up with something that just works so beautifully with the title. Thank you. Well, we've covered a lot of things, and there's always a lot of things to go into in trying out a new form. I would just encourage people, don't be afraid. You can write one yourself, you can practice alone, or you can get somebody else to write with you. And uh, by the time you write a second one, I think you'll be hooked. You know, this is, even though it's never changes, the results are infinite. You know, that's the thing that's amazing to me. It's like, I even get sort of hemmed in by the form, like, can I do something different? And by the time I finish it, it's like, wow, I had no idea it was going to go there. So within the form, the 12 lines in the title, there's just so many journeys you can take depending on where you are that day, you know, and how your co-writer is. So to me, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I would encourage people to experiment with anything and do not be afraid. Did you ever experiment further by taking maybe using Monocou or two line or more lines? 
to split up the, the haiku lines? Uh, we did do one that was uh, a two line between the singles mm -hmm. um, of Atanka. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think for us, for him and myself, uh, that didn't work out as well. As neither of us maybe have a pension for the two line. We also split Atanka and put Senor Haiku in between, okay. which worked out well. And I know I have done that with another poet. Mm -hmm. just, had some, uh, just had one of those published in Failed Haiku. Um, also, something that else has been done by myself is to take a Senru and then break it apart and put in three Kaioke or Tonka style poems, oh. which adds a different breath to it. That's also in the last issue of Failed Haiku. Okay. I like this because it's open-ended and mm -hmm. the idea of splitting things apart and reconstructing them as someone who was an art teacher having students and having people break things apart and reconstruct them brings out new identities and new ideas. And then so this, as opposed to other linked forms, has so much room to be individualistic and you can blaze your own path and work through your own ideas with it. It's just more open-ended than some of the more traditional forms. And I appreciate that greatly. When you say it's more open-ended, can you maybe elaborate on, on that? Well, you know, in the, the Japanese short forms, there's a lot of tradition and there's mm -hmm. a lot of benchmarks to make. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to people who know what I'm talking about, so I don't have to elaborate on that. But there mm -hmm. are certain things that have to happen at certain times. Yeah. Uh, and those have to be uh, negotiated and uh, handled with delicately. And with this, you are given a bit of freedom um, to link without shifting maybe too much yeah. or shifting as much as you want. Um, there's just a, a type of freedom through this that is a break from that tradition, yet still holds true to ideas of link and shift, but kind of is liberating from maybe some of the baggage that some of us might be carrying around mm -hmm. associated with some of those traditions. I write a lot of Renku, and so it was a, I did find it a different way of working, switching to your sequences. Uh, as you say, it, it does free you up. You know, I, the, the very first thing I did write and publish actually used the Charita, uh -huh. the six lines with three lines in between each one. And um, somehow that worked, but you know, I don't know if Brian notices this too, but as soon as you have five lines or six, the arc of your poem, the arc of possibilities really gets big and you have to sustain somehow the middle and the end. And mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, this is like, a, it can be a water balloon when you think about how do I get this to work? You know, because it really opens up possibilities. So I spent part of my 20s mastering collage. You know, I really use that approach when I write and think about the possibilities with this type of work. But Brian's right with those traditions and so many syllables in the line of the tanka, if you do it that way, and it's like, no, not for me, thank you. <laughs> but I really respect people who can create in a form and make it new all the time. That's why it's still going on. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot of fun as, as this one is, I would definitely recommend our poets to, to have a go at this and, and um, experiment. It is a, a really fascinating thing. Like you said, you start it and you become hooked on doing it. I mean, I won't <laughs> give up Renku, but 
<laughs> I'm rather keen on trying trying to do more of this of this type. So we, thank we you. Su we support you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Peter. Uh, thank you both very much for coming along today and reading from thank your you. book. Uh, but before you go, tell us again, where can we buy Just Dust and Stone? You can get it off of Amazon. You can get uh, a flip book version off the publisher's website, velvetduskpublishing.com. You might be able to also um, order the hard uh, paperback from her, but I think most of it is now print on demand for on Amazon. Thank you once again, Peter and Brian. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and reading your book. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you, Patricia. It's been great fun. Now, as I promised you, James Young has chosen his favourite haiku from the Poetry Peas YouTube channel Prompts. From April. Wild and ancient land, a place to be stranded for a moment. Wendy Ghent. Shrieking Gull. The stories embedded in stone walls. Marion Clark. And from May. Sea breeze. Waves in the marram grass reflecting the sea. Karen Harvey. Weekend getaway. Your hair ruffled by the wind. My heart beat faster. Marion Clark. From June. River balances body, board and mind. Stream of conscience. Bruce Bynum. Forgetting all my males. This fleeting moment. Ratamani Sama. From July, wave after wave, summer twilight has its sound, Anna Rosa. And lastly, James has chosen, quite by coincidence, one of our new YouTube editor's poems. Oceans ebb and flow, give a little, take a little. Linda L. Ludwig Thanks, James. And there is, of course, a new prompt on the Poetry P YouTube channel. Richard Bailey has given us a little glimpse into his life. Thanks, Richard. If you'd like your poem to be considered for one of Linda's picks, make sure you write your poem in the comments section of YouTube. Poems sent directly to me won't be included. You see, I'd like the YouTube prompts to be a way that we communicate directly with one another. So go along, have a look at the prompts, write your poem, read some of the other poets' work, and comment on it. We all know that writing poetry is fun, but knowing that someone else has read your work and appreciated it, well, it's a little bonus, isn't it? Oh, and a little bit of news that I promised you last time. I hope you enjoyed Peter and Brian's split-sequence reading and the workshop. If you were inspired to have a go, either by yourself or with a haiku friend, you should know that I will be accepting submissions of split sequences 
from the 1st to the 28th of February next year. One last thing to ask you. You know I don't have a Facebook presence, so I'd be really grateful if you could tell all your haiku friends on Facebook that Poetry P exists, and we'll be back to taking submissions in February next year. If you go to the website, you'll find a list of topics that I've planned for you for the first few months of 2022. Share the link and let's get some more new voices onto the podcast. Thank you so much for coming along today and listening. I had fun putting it together and I hope you enjoyed it too. I'll be back next time when I'll start letting you know my picks from the body of work we've done this year. It was really hard to choose. So until then, keep writing. If I've missed something out of the show notes, just send me an email, let me know about it, and I'll do my best to put it right. Ciao!